Welcome, everyone, to the third episode of the Markets and Mortgages podcast. I, of course, am your host, Tyler Crawley. And uh, yesterday, I pretty much assumed that the uh, big price hike that we are going to be talking about was the latest data from the National Association of Realtors, which we're going to get to in a second. But uh, the real big story, at least in North Carolina, I'm not sure where you're listening from, but uh, I'm out of Wilmington, North Carolina. The uh, pipeline disruption has created quite the panic for gas here in Wilmington. And I've heard all over North Carolina. In fact, the latest data I saw, and that was last night, 10% of gas stations are now out of gas in North Carolina. Not sure what that's going to mean going forward and what's going to be happening with the pipeline, but I would hope that uh, people, I've, I've just seen pictures of craziness at the gas pumps. There's like police being called. And so just don't hoard gas is, is all, it's all you got to do. Just It's like toilet paper. 2021, here we are. Instead of uh, toilet paper, it's now gasoline, which I think is a little bit more of a disruption to overall life. Toilet paper, kind of get around that. Uh, Gasoline, if your car doesn't have any, a little bit more difficult to get to. But I do want to get into, like I said, I want to start off with the big, I guess I should say numbers from the National Association of Realtors yesterday. It's their uh, quarterly report looking at the big metro areas all across the country. And not surprisingly, Q1 2021, the numbers were just nuts. In fact, 99% of the metro areas that the National Association of Realtors tracks saw price appreciate. 99%. That's, That's insane. But as if that wasn't crazy enough, 89% saw double-digit price growth once again in the first quarter. 89%. Now, to give you an idea of where things are maybe normally, in Q1 of 2020, we were still kind of in that weird place where the first part of Q1 we really, you know, didn't know much about what was happening with the pandemic, maybe a little bit into that second part of Q1. Only 25% of metro areas saw double-digit growth. Now we're at 89%. That's just how crazy things are right now. Now, if you're a home seller, you're trying to sell your home, or if you're a homeowner and you're going to sell at some point, the, you know these, these increasing every single day, this, this home appreciation that's happening is great. But if you're someone that's looking to buy a home or thinking you're going to buy a home pretty soon, uh, it's not so good. Not even close. Affordability is really starting to worry a lot of people. So the the report also said that the median existing home sales price rose 16.2% on a year-over-year basis. So it's now at $319,200. This is a record high since they've been keeping track in 1989. I mean, the numbers are nuts. The average monthly mortgage payment, because housing prices are going up, which means you have to get a bigger mortgage. Uh, The average monthly mortgage payment is now $1,067. That is up from a year ago when it was $995. So on average now, a family needs an income of $51,216 to pay a 30-year fixed rate mortgage with a 20% down payment to, I guess, be able to afford a home at least the average price home, the average family, average salary. That's what's needed. That is up almost $4,000 from last year when it was at $47,760. Just to give you an idea, 
This is happening all over the country. There's nowhere really where you're safe. I guess if you're in that 1%. In this, in this case, the 1% is not affluent. In the 1%, we are not seeing double-digit growth. Uh, but across all our regions, just insane growth. Northeast leading the way, 22.1%. The West, 18%. The South, 15%. And the Midwest saw a 14.4% jump. Lawrence Yoon, the NAR chief economist, said in a statement, with low inventory already impacting the market, adding or added skyrocketing costs have left many families facing the reality of being priced out entirely. And this is going to become a bigger problem. You know, we know Washington's thinking about it. We know state capitals are thinking about it. What are we going to do with regards to housing affordability. Now, I'm one of the people, I'm one of those people who thinks that it's a simple solution, uh, maybe not simple to carry out, but it's you build more housing. You know, everyone's like, oh, maybe we should do tax credits, maybe we should incentivize developers, maybe we should create a new branch of government. All you gotta do is build more houses and allow developers to build more houses. Make zoning laws easier to get through. That's all, that's, that's how you solve it. That's how you solve the problem. But of course, no one wants to do that because you got a lot of NIMBYs out there. And so you end up with this insane situation where you're also looking at double digit appreciation across the board. Now, I will say there was some data that came out. We talked about uh, forbearance and the good news that the programs continue to fall. At least those participating in the programs continue to fall. Well, yesterday we did see some good news um, with regards to delinquencies. Well, kind of some good news. So total loans more than 30 days past due were up slightly to 5.7% in February. So this is kind of delayed. I mean, this is the CoreLogic Performance Loan Report. And so this is looking at February's data. So the data we were talking about yesterday was from the Mortgage Bankers Association. That's weekly data. And it's pretty up to date. So it was looking at last week with regards to forbearance. This is looking all the way back to February. So you're going to see a divide there. So you did see a little bit of an increase. It was 5.6% in January. It's now 5.7% in February. Uh, Early stage delinquencies were at 1.5%, which was down from 1.8% in February of 2020, but was up from 1.3% in January. Serious delinquencies were at 3.7%, which was up kind of big from last year at 1.2%, but was actually down from January when it was at 3.8%. Now, it should be noted that mortgage delinquencies have been slowing and decreasing since they peaked in mid-2020, and the new rate of delinquencies is a 22-year low. So even though, the move, even though it went upwards a little bit, overall things are pretty good. Frank Martel, president and CEO of CoreLogic, said in a statement, consumer confidence continues to rise as the economy roars back to life. These factors bode well for housing fundamentals in 2021 and as far as the can see. And it should also be noted that one of the other groups that benefits from uh, home price appreciation, especially double digit home price appreciation, are people whose loans are delinquent because these are people who are facing a situation where they may not be able to afford their house anymore. Now, in a lot of cases, that leads to foreclosure. It depends on how much equity you have in the house. 
if your house is appreciating in double digit territory, you're probably going to have some equity in the house. You're going to be able to uh, at least benefit from if you have to sell your house. So the people who unfortunately do have to get out of their house because they can't afford it will at least leave with either something or will not destroy their credit getting out of the house. So if they have to foreclose, they can avoid a foreclosure. So even if they sell it and maybe lose a little bit or break even, that's way better than foreclosing and your credit's destroyed for God knows how many years. So that's those are those are some people that also benefit from this home price appreciation that is uh, pretty nuts right now. Now, I do want to jump back to what's happening with the economy. Speaking of people who may not be able to afford their homes, there are people out there who have seen their incomes diminish, small business owners, for example, uh, during the pandemic, and they may be someone who's in a house and maybe now they can't afford it anymore. Now, we'd like to see the economy come back, get their income back to where it was and they can stay in that home. But there's another group of people who are actually making more money than they were before the pandemic started. And these are people who are collecting unemployment. And that's why there's been a lot of conversation on Friday, we had the jobs report come out and very disappointing. People are expecting a million jobs, only created 266,000, I think it was. And people said, what's going on here? And a lot of people said, well, it's unemployment benefits. There are jobs out there, but people aren't going there because they can make more money at home. And really kind of backing up that point was some data that we got yesterday from the Bureau of Labor Statistics that said that there were record job openings to start April. On the final business day, of March, the number of job openings reached 8.1 million. That is the highest number since they started tracking it in 2000. So there are a lot of jobs that are open out there. Now, hiring pretty much was unchanged. Uh, In March, it was 6 million and about 4.2% is what we saw. So it was pretty much unchanged from the month before. And so this is the problem. You have 8.1 million, that's how many jobs were available, which was an increase of 597,000. I mean, the reality is you're never gonna have zero. So it's not like there's 8.1 million jobs out there available and they only hired 266,000. I mean, the fact that they talked about hiring was at 6 million means you have people who quit, people that got hired and or they found another job. And so, I mean, it's it the, the numbers... I don't want you to look at the numbers and go, oh, 8.1 million job openings and only 266,000 jobs. That's not necessarily the case, but this is important. There were 600,000 more openings. So you should have seen at least 600,000 jobs created in, uh, in April. And we didn't get that. And that's why a lot of people are wondering what is going on, what is keeping people out of the job market. We talked about that on Monday. Is it generous unemployment? Is it wages are too low? Is it people concerned about their safety? Is it school closures, keeping parents at home? We don't know. But I would say that this data that says that there are this many job openings and only this many jobs created, I think is very telling. I think, once again, it's a combination of all of those things. I think we need to get schools and camps open so parents can go back to work. I think, obviously, we want more people to get vaccinated, more people to feel safe going back to work. But I do think that unemployment benefits are going to have to be looked at. And we've been hearing 
you know, politicians have said, maybe there are ways that we can do this. Provide employment bonuses. Take that unemployment money and direct it towards people that go and get work. They get a job and instead of getting paid to sit at home, you get paid, your job's gonna pay you. And then the, and then the state takes that federal money and says, all right, we're gonna give you $1,500 as a bonus for going back to work and being a productive member of society. But the fact that that number such a disconnect. I mean, to, to go from a disappointing jobs report and then to have a record number of job openings, very telling. Now, one of the other things that we actually haven't talked about, I don't know, I, we, we can't get into too much detail, but I do think it's important to mention there's also an argument that our economy has rapidly evolved in just this one year. I mean, we've seen a lot of new technologies developed or implemented during this pandemic that maybe would have taken three, four, five years to implement in a normal pace. But things were, you know, obvious for obvious reasons. Uh, there was a lot of, there's a lot of reasons to adopt these new technologies out of necessity uh, for a lot of people. And so some have argued that there's a skills gap that you have people who left the economy before the pandemic and now the economy has changed. And so the, a lot of this new automation, a lot of this new technology that exists, there isn't this, the, that skill isn't as widespread as the adoption of that technology. And so there's going to need to be training involved. And maybe that's somewhere else they can use some of that unemployment money. You know, say, you know what, if you go and train for these new jobs that exist, will pay for you to not only train, but will will let you continue to get that unemployment. I think that would also be a good use of the money. So, you know, you go to a community college or wherever and learn how to use this new technology. They'll pay you to do that. Or I should say they'll pay for your schooling and then they'll give you the unemployment. So that way you can make money while you're learning this new skill. Then you can go out and use those skills. And so there's going to be a lot of suggestions over the next couple of weeks as we look at a lot of this data and see this disconnect and try and figure out why exactly this is happening. All right, short episode here on this Wednesday morning. We gotta go. Um, oh, I meant to say this. Lumber futures are actually down or they were down last night. And so maybe there's some good news. So we got gas prices up, home prices up, but lumber, lumber may finally be coming back down to earth. We will, we will see what happens. All right, you guys enjoy your Wednesday. Do want to let you know the podcast is now on Spotify. So if you're listening on that platform, thank you. I'm working on getting it on Apple and Google as we speak. You know, Apple takes a little longer. They want to make sure you're Apple approved and you know, I kind of appreciate that. You know, they want, well, I, I like knowing that uh, when I finally make it, I will be Apple approved. That's kind of a, it's like, it's like having a blue check mark on Twitter. So uh, when, I, when I get on Apple, I will let you know. So everyone that is listening, it is still kind of difficult to find this podcast. So I do appreciate you tuning in and you enjoy your Wednesday. Hopefully you're able to find some gasoline. I will talk to you on Thursday morning. And as always, do not wait to buy real estate. Buy real estate and wait.